0: 1-2 pitch, ball lined to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount, makes a great catch and won! The Amos has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings and here it is! Base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive to the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. goal. A 2-1 home run. The Brewers
1: take the lead. Morgan, a smash up the middle. Base hit.
2: You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, we come to you the first time with a sad podcast, but we're we're, we're actually okay. This is a, a series that we can chalk up to hey, they play 162 baseball games, and sometimes things happen. But before we get into all of that, hey, Adam, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Andrew. Look. The Brewers can't win every series this year as much as we'd like them to, as much as they may well try and they may win a whole lot more than they lose. Um, But some, some adversity came their way this week. I think some things that are out of their control, the kind of things that are going to happen, we just have to hope they don't happen too often. And so, yeah, this is not as fun as the series we've got to talk about up until now, but I'm also not too downbeat. I'm just hoping that, they can get through what is a really rough, grueling road trip, and they can manage it as well as they can, come back with a good record from the trip to add to what was the red-hot start and get back to some home cooking at Anthem.
2: Yeah, there's one thing that's important to remember when when you're watching a sporting event is that the other team's trying to. I know it's a novel concept. Sometimes I didn't realize it. Uh, the Brewers obviously... Uh, played a three-game series with the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are an, I'll call them an up-and-coming uh, team, someone that uh, was feisty towards the end of the season last year. They stole your heart during Snake Timber. Snakes, um, right. Ultimately weren't able to make a playoff run at the end of last year, but find themselves 8-5 and five and atop the NL West through 13 games played this year. The Brewers are 8-4, and four, still atop the NL Central. Before we get into the ins and outs of that series, uh, there's some news we learned uh during this series, and we'll start with the bad news. Brandon Woodruff uh placed on the fifteen-day injured list with right shoulder inflammation. Uh he was not recovering as he does normally following his previous start, and the Brewers are are exercising some caution in having him miss his start in the Diamondback series, and they expect him to miss, I think uh one more start cuz he was pl- placed on the IL retroactive to the day after um his previous start eight so eight, my I believe. Ma- yeah so if my math is adding up uh he'll miss one more start if the optimism that they displayed about this being a short stay uh is true uh so the Brewers starting pitching depth really being tested early in the season Adrian Hauser obviously starts the season on the IL Aaron Ashby will miss most of the season, most likely on the 60-day IL. And now Brandon Woodruff uh, misses a couple of starts. Uh, tough break early, early in the year. And uh, it goes to show you why Matt Arnold and the front office were so eager to uh, create more depth within the organization in terms of having guys that can go out there and, and give you a start. Because obviously, as we know, that the starting pitching prospect uh, depth extends pretty much to Robert Gasser and Carlos Rodriguez right now
1: yeah and as much as it wasn't on Corbin and Woody Woody obviously missed some time to start last year um, or Eric Lauer who was healthy I think pretty much throughout all of last season the Brewers did ultimately pay for injuries at the back end of their starting rotation and it seemed like it was a very obvious kind of course correction on that to be like, okay, well let's have seven to eight guys who are going to be kind of in the mix that could go and could start for us if needed. Now, as you mentioned with Ashby out with Hauser back soon enough, but still out. And now with Woody down, well, you immediately see, even at that, you can be pushed to your limits very quickly. And the Brewers are in a spot where you're like, yeah, it feels stretched in spite of all those like respectable plus. Um, starting pitchers they feel a little bit stretched right now so I mean the most crucial thing is it seems like this was done out of an absolute abundance of caution with Woody which I think we're all going to get behind as much as yeah you don't like seeing him miss a start and we'll talk a little bit more about that game and how Jansen Jug uh, pitched but you know maybe they win that game with Brandon Woodruff out there it certainly will increase your chances at any time Brandon Woodruff Uh, takes the mound at the same time they need him for the bulk of this season so a couple of starts in april is not the end of the world he doesn't seem concerned the organization don't seem concerned it just seemed like his recovery wasn't quite at its usual speed and that was all they wanted to give a little bit of extra time and make sure that they weren't pushing into another start that really could have then done some damage to that so it seems like they're just heeding the the warning signals that were coming from from Woody's body, and I'm not opposed to that. We just have to hope that a little bit of time to rest up sets it right and we don't see this kind of recurring over the course of the year. Because there are few players more important on this Brewers roster than Brandon Woodruff, and he's shown that with how he started the season too.
2: Yeah, I mean, sometimes, Adam, after a podcast, I'll uh, rush myself back to do the next podcast when my body's telling me that I'm not ready, and then I put in a subpar performance. So Brandon Woodruff, uh, using that caution, is best for himself and best for the team. Uh, moving on to happier news, uh, the A baseball season has started. Jackson Shorio with the Biloxi Shuckers uh, doing some fun things uh, in his game on... Uh, April 11th, I believe it was. Or it was a- April 10th actually? Sorry. Uh, no, April 11th. April 11th. What's the math doing? Okay, his, perfect. His fourth
1: uh, game of the
2: season. Fourth game of the season. Uh, hits an opposite field home run and, and in at bat or, or in the fifth inning. Uh, to to have his first homer, um, as a double A player, and then in the ninth inning, or the tenth inning, excuse me, hits a walk off home run to I, I guess just left of dead center field and and what I've been told via Twitter is a near impossible spot to hit the ball out of that ballpark. So the week after he was named the number one prospect in all of baseball by baseball America, Jackson Shorio goes and shows why um you know, we have to we have to talk about him once an episode, especially when we're in an in a episode about a series loss. We just sprinkle the happiness onto the top of this episode by talking about, oh, yeah, Jackson Churio. People have told us he's good. Uh, Yeah, he's he's at double a performing and it'll be something to monitor, obviously, going forward to see if, if that continues. But that that walk off Homer was absolutely crushed and always exciting to see Chorio do crazy things to a baseball
1: Yeah, and from what I've read, it was kind of an up-and-down game for him overall, which I guess paints an accurate picture of what the full Cheerio experience is. And I think when naysayers do bring up some of the concerns around them, they talk about his strikeout rate. Um, He struck out in three pitches in his first up out of the game. Then on the second uh, plate appearance, got ahead 3-0 before being struck out looking four pitches later. But you know what? Like over the course of the game, you accept that happening a couple of times if you're going to get two homers on other outings. And I think that could be it, it's being framed as, a, you know, what kind of player is he going to be as if it's just going to be purely all feast or all famine. Um, It seems like throughout the levels now and we're continuing to move on up and now we're seeing positive signs at double A as well. He does bode in the one game, which at that point, it just balances out to being a really, really high end player who can deliver in the most spectacular way in a game by game basis. I don't I don't think kind of the strikeouts are as concerning if we continue to see them as part of a bigger picture where, yeah, okay, he does strike out a little bit more than average, but he also homers a lot more than average, too. I think that's a trade off that I think most people will happily accept. So it's interesting even just that in a game where he grabs headlines and gets his first two uh, homers at double-A, some of that is still present. And I wonder at what point does the conversation around that kind of, I don't know, get reshaped a little bit. I I don't think it needs to be, we don't need to just be glowing about him. We don't necessarily need to be concerned about that either. I just think it's part of the whole package and who he is as a player. And ultimately, the positives are very dramatically outweighing the negatives, and they aren't just positives; they are the spectacular. He's got a knack for it.
2: Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, four games at Double A this this season so far, five for eighteen at the plate with uh, the th- the two home runs, uh, and then those seven strikeouts. So yeah, age nineteen, season at Double A, Biloxi. So, uh, yeah, we'll continue to check in on Chorio and and some of the other prospects. Throughout the system, obviously, we talked about Salfrey at Nashville a fair bit so far because um, he could factor into some conversations sooner rather than later. Uh, other guys at Biloxi, uh, Jefferson Quero, obviously, uh, Tyler Black. Um, so guys that we will talk about um, throughout the season, Carlos Rodriguez, um, Tobias Myers, who's a guy that they, they signed, I think, just this offseason, uh, had a really good first start with Biloxi five and two thirds innings pitch with 11 strikeouts in that start. Um, he's, he's a 24 year old who uh, I think it struggled uh, for most of last season across three levels uh, of, of uh, baseball, but uh seems like he's got um, good stuff and is someone maybe to, to keep an eye on and see if uh, this good start continues. But if you're, if you're in Biloxi, go watch uh, this team because they seem uh, pretty fun. Um, the last update we had, I guess, Adam, I think you do more about this than me. I was looking for an article about it, but I couldn't find it. So if, if you I, I have
1: it off the top have... of my head so I can. Um So Aaron Ashby, it's probably two days ago now. He he spoke to the media, which was three days removed from. Um, I believe he had arthroscopic surgery um on his shoulder. And things seemed to be going very well. We'd already heard the surgery was a success, but Ashby seemed very laid back. He'd already begun rehab. He was saying that he just already feels a lot better in his shoulder. He laid out a timeline that definitely seems a little bit more optimistic than some of the soundings we'd heard from Craig. Not entirely surprising, not unusual for players to maybe be pushing a timeline that's a little bit more positive. Um, but how he said it is... He has now begun his six weeks of rehab, which when he finishes that, they'll assess where things are. And if there are no bumps on the road along the way, if everyone feels good, he will then proceed to six weeks of throwing. which at that point they'll assess. And if all is good, he will be ready to return to regular baseball activities. So. Look, 12 weeks as a best case or as I guess maybe the schedule um, is still a lot of times, so a lot of time in the season to miss, but it, it isn't season ending if he can stick to that. I think that would actually be something where he does get enough time to come back, work through a few outings, and then factor into a playoff picture if that's hopefully where the Brewers will be headed. So look, a lot of time to go on that, a lot that can go wrong. We all know that but I do think it's just interesting and worth noting that the timeline Ashby laid out at least, whether that's his own timeline to some extent or whether he's just being a little bit more transparent with some of the stuff that Craig and the brewers like to keep closer to their chest. I don't know, but 12 weeks is not quite as bad. A little bit optimistic.
2: Yeah. I hope, uh, I hope that timeline, uh, is is what it is for the Brewers, but also just for for Ashby because shoulders are are scary, and uh, you don't want this to be something that just derails his com- career completely. So I I I hope his optimism uh, ends up being being the reality.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform
2: Uh, moving on to this series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, Adam Snakes uh, taking on the Milwaukee Brewers, Wade Miley on the mound against Zach Gallen. The story of this game was pitching and umpiring, unfortunately. Um, Wade Miley gave the Brewers kind of what you expect Wade Miley to give them. Uh, the Diamondbacks got the scoring started off early in this game. Ketel Marte uh, doubles in his first at-bat. Uh Josh Rojas follows that up with a single up the middle to make it one nothing diamondbacks. Uh in the fifth inning, Christian Walker hits an opposite field home run uh that just, just, just was outside of the grasp of Joey Weimer, who was attempting to rob a home run. Uh that would have been electric if that had happened, but alas, it was not to be. Uh, Zach Gallen was was the star of this game along with Umpire Scott Berry, Uh Gallon goes seven innings, allows just three hits, no runs, one walk, and 11 strikeouts. His curveball was uh, baffling to the Brewers' hitters all night. Uh, I hate talking about umpiring, but the home plate umpiring was bad Um, in this game. uh, Scott Berry, 80% called... Oh, well, in the series as well, but in this game, uh, uh, was notable. 80% called strike accuracy, uh, plus 1.4 plus 1.49 runs for Arizona. Uh, impactful missed calls pretty much all affected the Brewers. Uh, a 3-2 ball that was called a strike to Brian Anderson with no outs and a runner on first. A 3-2 uh, ball that was called a strike with no outs in the bases empty to Weimer in the sixth. And then in that same, uh, Brian Anderson bat in the t- or at bat in the top of the second uh, with no outs and a runner on first. A 3-1 ball is called a strike. So, you know, one of my... Uh, Pet peeves with home plate umpires is a pitcher's on the mound and they're struggling to find the zone, and then they get bailed out with a 3-0 or a 3-1 pitch that's off the plate, and they call that a strike. It flips the bat on its head and gives that pitcher new life. I don't like it, but that's baseball, and it was terrible, but the Brewers didn't adjust to the zone. And Zach Allen's one of the better pitchers in the National League, so that's just what's going to happen. Don't want to take anything away from him because he was working with the zone that was being presented with him and t- taking it to his full advantage.
1: Yeah, he's really good. And he had not started the season very well. And you and I had talked about this privately and where some may have seen that as cause for excitement and optimism for the Brewers. Um, maybe it says something about us, but we were like, uh regression to the mean coming. And he found his feet against the Brewers. Yeah, he may have had some help uh, from the home plate umpire, but... He's one of the tougher pitchers that the Brewers will see all season. I think they really struggled against him last year, too, if I'm remembering that correctly. So um, as much as this is a very different-looking Brewers lineup to what they would have tried out against the Diamondbacks last year, some things don't necessarily change at a certain point. I think you got to point to Zach Gallen for that. Um, Just to continue time with the pitching, Wade Miley gave us everything we could have hoped for and more in his previous start. Uh, This is very solid, though. This is kind of, if this is the baseline, we're going to be very, very happy, and he's going to give the Brewers a chance to win every start he's in. That's all you can ask for. I mean, as it was, if any kind of offense had sparked, the Brewers could have come away from this one, stolen the win in spite of Zach Gallen going seven scoreless. And if that's the kind of game where Wade Miley, doesn't matter that he's up against an opposing ace, he's going to keep it tight like that. Um, I I think we'll be very, very happy about that. The Brewers will, and he's going to help them to win a lot of games and do exactly what you want from a pitcher in that spot in the rotation. So it, it's not the dazzling performance that we got from him last time out, Um, but I do think it is worth highlighting again, because this is exactly what we would have hoped for from Wade Miley True two starts. If he could throw in some like his previous outing, all the better, but kind of the average point between all of that would be very, very welcome.
2: Yeah, I was very uh, happy with Miley's effort. Um, like you said, that's kind of how you would draw it up. You're saying if if Miley gives us five and gives up three or fewer runs, we're going to be in a good spot to win this baseball game. Oh, yeah, Zach Gallin's on on the mound on the other side. Okay, never mind. But yeah, good effort from Miley Um, giving the Brewers that back end starting rotation depth that they they crave this offseason. Um, Bryce Wilson comes in after Miley and throws two scoreless innings, allows a hit, strikes out three. Um, so he continues to carve out a role for himself in this bullpen and be very good doing it. So nice to see there. Javi Guerra provides a scoreless inning as well. Um, Zach Gallen, uh, like we said, goes seven innings. Following him in the bullpen is Scott McGow, who fires a scoreless inning, and then Andrew Chafin. Closes things out to nail down the save with a scoreless ninth where he would strike out all three batters that he would face. Brewers lose this game 3 nothing at the hands of some very good starting pitching um, that they just weren't able to figure out. Only uh, compiled three hits across the game. Um, It was a single from Garrett Mitchell, uh, a single from Bryce Tarang, and a single from William Contreras. Uh, That would be the only...
1: Sorry, could finish.
2: No, go ahead. That's all that. that's all. I, I, I was just gonna,
1: Can I, can I, can I add one more way to my detail, which is that he's only allowed three walks through his first eleven innings pitched. Uh love that. If that keeps yeah, up again, that's gonna be great and game, only good yeah. things are gonna
2: happen. Yeah, limit the uh limit the, the free bases and uh he'll be in a good spot. Um yeah, the next the next uh starting pitching matchup. Uh, was more favorable favorable for the Milwaukee Brewers. Corbin Burns on the mound after having two rough starts to start the season. Uh, looked like Corbin Burns again. Looked like the Corbin Burns that uh, racks up uh, strikeouts and scoreless innings and puts himself in Cy Young contingent. Uh He went eight innings, allowed just three hits, no runs, no walks, eight strikeouts, threw just 89 pitches through those eight innings and was absolutely dominant. Uh, strikeouts too, but just getting quick outs, ground balls, um, and getting out of innings without piling up much traffic at all. The Brewers were uh, stumped for for uh, six innings by by Merrill Kelly. Um, Kelly went six innings, allowed just one hit, three runs. They were all earned four walks, seven strikeouts. The Brewers would finally come alive in the top of the seventh inning. A Willie Adamas home run would break up Merrill Kelly's no hitter. Um, Caratini, Victor Caratini would follow that with, uh, a bases loaded walk to score Rowdy Tellez, Joey Weimers ground out to second scored Brian Anderson and a Mike Brasso double would make it five, nothing after seven innings, uh, in the eighth inning, Rowdy Tellez home runs to right field Uh, in the ninth inning, Mike Brasso home run to right center, uh, Corbin Burns, uh, allowed two hits in the eighth inning would get out of that inning, Following those hits without allowing a run, but I think uh, maybe extending his pitch got a little more there uh, led to a cause for, uh, I guess, a little bit of cautiousness. And, you know, you've got a 7-0 lead. Let someone else finish the game out. UL Piamps throws an inning, allows a hit, a run, a walk, no strikeouts. Um, and the Brewers win this baseball game 7-1. to uh, Corbin Burns match Merrill Kelly inning for inning while Kerry, uh, Kelly was – piling up scoreless hitless innings and the Brewers waited him out and eventually just came alive in that seventh inning and secured what at the end of the day would be a, a stress-free win after, <laughs> another, uh, after another scoreless streak piled up similar to the one we saw uh, in Chicago to start of the season.
1: Yeah, and I, I think one of the interesting things on this, one of the things we've been calling for um willie certainly has sparked into life after a slow start rowdy is edging gradually closer to that but great to see what it looks like in a brewer's team where yeah you've got guys getting on base when when that starts to happen and then willie's gonna hit a home run and rowdy's gonna hit a home run and i actually think were they both single shots they were um but those being fuel for something or being a part of something that is a much more steady, progressive, we're going to keep the scoreboard ticking over um, way of building a lead is kind of what I think we've got to view best case scenario for the Brewers over the course of the season. If we can get even close to what William Rowdy gave last year and have the new Cogs this offense perform like they have to start the year. That's going to leave the Brewers an incredibly well-balanced and potent offense. And one that, yeah, you know, you can be facing quality pitcher, putting on a really good performance, and all it takes is, okay, once the floodgates open, that's it. We can put a game away. That also feels like something that the Brewers didn't do a whole lot of this year. Like, maybe in this kind of scenario, they come out with a 2-1 win. But the fact that when they got going to pile on five runs in the seventh, that's a big deal and I very much like how that looks. As for Corbin, he needed this. I mean, he maybe didn't need to go as far as this. We more than welcome it, but we certainly wanted to see, at minimum, a quality start out of it again, give us six, give us some level of control and confidence, but this was absolute the best uh, version of Corbin Burns, and hopefully... We're just going to continue to see that kind of trick along now for a while. Because he came out and he said it himself. I mean, there's no point in anyone criticizing Corbin Burns. It's not really going to achieve anything. We're not talking about anything that he doesn't know. We mentioned after his last start, um, which his last start we were there for, and we noted that he was being really hard on himself in a way that it seemed like he had moved away from to be the best version of himself. I think that kind of continued somewhat in, in the press when he came out and he kind of owned it and said, yeah, I need to start helping these young guys um, instead of having them, you know, carrying me. And all you could say is well done and tip your hat. Cause he came out and delivered on that. So very, very encouraging, particularly in a week two where Woody, is gonna miss his start. It's exactly when you need Corbin Burns to step up and be Corbin Burns, and it's nice that he delivered on that. And his teammates didn't let him down either. And it could all come together for a good win.
2: Sixteen whiffs on thirty four swings. Um, from Corbin Burns in this game. A, a lineup, uh, stacked with left handed batters. He was going to the cutter, obviously, which is his bread and butter, and then uh, that change up, um, as well was was really working for him. Um, great to see, like we said, Corbin, uh, to your point, needed this, his comments after the game. It's not about hitting the panic button. It's very easy to start to panic and start looking at things and dig into stuff that's not there. For me, it was, uh, to take a brief look at mechanics, take a brief look at the movement. Everything was there. So it's just getting up there and competing and being aggressive at having the right mindset. We talked about how part of, or in the off season, when we were watching, uh, Corbin Burns as a reliever during our playback um watch parties of the 2018 playoff run we're talking about how what we've learned over the course of a few years is corbin has developed that elite mindset that um has helped him you know take his immense talent as a starting pitcher and like lock everything into the place and i think that's that's kind of the thing that can differentiate guys at this level is if if you struggle you don't freak out you figure it out and you lock back in and it looks like Corbin has started the process of doing that. And this was, as Craig council said, is as, as good as Corbin has looked in the big leagues. Um, so there you go. Um, the final game of this series, uh, a getaway day game uh, afternoon start. Obviously we mentioned the uh, injury to Brandon Woodruff, uh, sending him to the IL meant that Jansen junk would be called up from AAA Nashville to make his Brewers debut Um, and it got off to a rough start the first batter of the game appeared to ground out to Mike Brasso who made uh, an excellent play at third base but uh, that call was changed it was catcher's interference that would allow the runner to reach that run would end up scoring on a Christian Walker ground out to second so Josh Rojas who had a great series against the Brewers. I, I hated seeing him come to the plate because it seemed like he was always on base. Um, and obviously that one was due to a uh, catcher's interference. He would also get three hits in the game. So that run goes down as an unearned run um, because of the catcher's interference. Uh, the big blow um, in this game for junk would come a, a few innings later um, when Lord S. Goriel would unload a three run home run into left field to score Josh Rojas and Catel Marte. Uh, a Josh Rojas double in the fourth would make it 5 nothing Diamondbacks. On his debut, Jansen Junk goes four and two-thirds innings, seven pitches, or seven hits, excuse me, uh, five runs. Four of them were earned, two walks, two strikeouts, the home run to Goriel. 79 pitches. Uh, he was very close to getting through five complete, an errant throw from Mike Brasso extended an inning um, that could have ended on, on a bunt attempt. Instead, um, Craig Council would opt for for Hobie Milner to get out of the the inning. A mixed bag of a start for Junk. I I would call it, you know, it wasn't good, but it was by no means disastrous. I'm I'm assuming he'll get one more start, um, and one more shot on like this time in the big leagues as we wait for Bert, or Brandon Woodruff to return. Kind of what you expect for the, I guess the if everyone was healthy, probably the eighth guy on your starting pitching depth chart, and. You wonder, you wonder how like the the flip of a coin like changes the outcome of this game if he doesn't get off to the shaky start because of the catcher's interference and he's able to get out of that inning clean. Um, that's an unknowable thing. And the, the thing about baseball is games can change or cannot change based on one event and one outcome. But uh mixed bag for Jansen Junk during his Brewers debut.
1: Yeah, I mean, overall, I think he did pretty well. Again, it's this is all about managing expectations to some extent. Um, Jansen Junk is not likely to come in for Brandon Woodruff and pitch like Brandon Woodruff. So it was instantly going to be a much, much tougher day for the Brewers. I think you've said it. Real kind of sliding doors moment that catches interference because that really set off. Some of the worst of what we saw, Um, the big trouble in the third may have been avoided if it wasn't for that. I think overall, he hung around even after that better than I expected, because that was the concern too. It's like, okay, is he going to just get shelled in the fort and this is game over and he's got to come out super, super early. And he didn't quite do that. He stuck around and he was very close to getting through five um i think in terms of pitch count he could have got there i guess what do we learn about him in seeing his first big league start as a brewer um it's tough it's tough for him i i don't know how well his stuff can or ever will play at that level which is why he's at the kind of place in the rotation that he is but i think with a little bit of luck going his way this could be a lot better and honestly he could have given the Brewers a chance to go and win this game. And the Brewers did come to life earlier on and show some fight, which again is pretty encouraging. Even in the losses, I think we're seeing a little bit more this year than we necessarily did at times last year. Um, But some, some misfortune for sure, not an absolutely astounding pitching performance, but I don't think anyone was, or should have been expecting that. Um, with another start, maybe we see things just line up for him a little bit nicer, and the runs don't quite add up on him, and we see the Brewers go and take away.
2: Uh And before we get to the Brewers coming alive, I want to call out, uh we thought Madison Bumgarner was going to start this game uh when we were looking at the matchups earlier in the week. Instead, it was Dre Jameson, a, a guy I did not know much about, who started for the Diamondbacks and pitched at a out of relief for them got to start here he's not stretched out so it only went four innings but he looked really good i i mm-hmm. was impressed by by jameson he's a sinker slider four seamer guy primarily and that that slider seemed to be biting uh the four strikeouts in the four innings only allowed three hits and like was you know it wasn't zach gallon but like you can you can see this guy just becoming a really good piece uh in this diamondbacks rotation if he's given the chance to start full time I, I was very impressed um by what he brought to the table um once uh the brewers were able to get into that bullpen um they did come alive a little bit like you said in the seventh inning uh with luke Voit and joey weimer on pace a mike brasso single would make it five one diamondbacks as the brewers tried to claw back uh christian yelich follows that with a single to left field to score bryce terrain and joey weimer uh and then um Willie Adamas grounds into a double play uh, to to really take the fire out of that inning. It's controversial. The play was challenged. It appeared on some angles that Willie Adamas beat that throw to first base just barely. I think that was a replay situation where whatever the call was on the field was going to stand because of how close it was. Uh, in my biased heart of hearts, Adam, I think Willie Adamus beat that throw. when seeing all of the angles, I don't know where you come down on this. Like I said, I hate talking about umpiring. Uh, but it, you know what are we gonna do? The they they did it to us this series. They they forced us to talk about it.
1: Yeah, I think you beat it out. I I said it to you at the time. I it seemed quite clear to me. Then obviously you watch replays, and what's clear becomes you know increasingly less clear and. We know that for them to overturn the call in the field, you need a really, really clear margin, which I think ultimately they probably looked at that and said, yeah, he probably beat it out, but it's so tight that we can't say for sure. Um, the angles, at least, that we saw were not great in terms of when the ball was entering the glove relative to when Willie's foot was on the base. And um, We kept seeing it from the foot, the side where Willie's foot was clearly getting to the base first, but it's like, okay, when is the ball actually getting to the glove? So I didn't see that, but it seemed like you could just see enough of the white of the ball where you're like, yeah, I think Willie got it. It's kind of the way it goes though, right? If there's any element of doubt, the umpires are going to stick with what they call to begin with. This is something we see across all sports uh, with review in place, uh, which also make frequently makes you question, well, what are we doing here? What is the, what is the point of review? It's, if it has to be that wrong, once you go and you're looking at something, it should be like, well, we're looking at it. We're looking at it in you. We have stopped the flow of the game to look at this thing. But yeah, for me, Willie beat it out. But uh, I can see where it was close enough that you're likely just
2: not getting that overturned. Uh, Craig Council would then pinch hit for Rowdy Tellez with Brian Anderson, runner on uh, third at that point, Mike Rosso in a 5-3 to three game. And, uh, Brian Anderson comes to play in place of Rowdy Tellez and lines one back up the middle that the pitcher snared. I believe that was, uh, was Andrew Chafin at that point? They brought him in, in that, uh, Mm -hmm. high, high leverage situation in the seventh. Um, he's normally their closer, but, uh, not Torrey Lovello, uh, because he had been ejected earlier in this game for arguing with the home plate umpire about, uh, uh, I think when he started the pitch clock, he was unhappy with it. Uh, so... There was an interesting wrinkle to this game. I forgot to get into. Uh, I made the joke earlier. Uh, Luke Voigt is frequently seen uh, looking at the iPad during games. I think breaking down his previous at bats. My joke about that in our Discord was that he was trying to get caught up on succession because he'd been, you know, people have been trying to spoil it for him. Um, and I think, uh, I think um, Tori Lavello just didn't want any of the distraction. He was just going back to the clubhouse and and catching up on succession. Listen to make time for this. We did an episode on succession this week. Um, Gus sure Marlin comes in and in the bottom of the seventh inning and faces his first bit of adversity as a Major League Baseball player. Uh, Lord Escurio, uh singles to left uh, after inducing a line-out from Christian Walker. Corbin Carroll would hit an opposite field home run to left center uh, to make it 7-3. Another reason that to be optimistic about this Diamondbacks team is because they have Corbin Carroll on their team. like Just has great bat-to-ball skills. Um, and showcased it right there on that home run. I, I know you were you were impressed by uh, his ability to to go with the pitch there and just absolutely crush it to left field.
1: Yeah, because it kind of looked terrible. Um, and the whole way, I'm like, oh, that's gonna drop, that's gonna drop, but it just kept sailing and sailing, and you're like, oh, okay, he really he worked out his angle, he got over that, and he manufactured a homer out of it. Um So yeah, I guess believe the hype on him. He he seems like the real deal for sure. Um that's kind of that's the moment where the game does get away from the Brewers, right, at that point, when they're starting to get on base at real ease, and you're like, okay, this could this could be there for them. And that one was tough for sure. Um, but I salute Corbin Carroll because it was very impressive, even if it was it was one that I think was both pretty ugly to look at, but also very aesthetically pleasing because you've got to, you've got to work for it. If that makes any kind of sense, um, I'm impressed by him getting over it like that. But yeah, that was maybe a sign of things to come for, for Corbin Carroll. The, the one player I want to talk about here, and I know we'll be talking about him in a few minutes again, but I think this is probably the game to anchor a lot of discussion around. Um, I want to talk about William Contreras. I think he's been really good lately. I think, look, uh, I'm sure everyone at this point has seen the metrics in terms of his pitch framing and really his defensive work as a catcher. And kind of on the back of some of that, we saw some of his, uh, we saw I mean his worst moments um, as a brewer so far come out um, not just in this series, but in this game. He had two errors, he had that catcher's interference which honestly may have turned Jensen Junk's start for the worse uh, and he also had a really weird one, I believe it was Corbin Carroll who was on first for the Diamondbacks who started to run, had already gone back and Contreras just gunned one right between first and second with no one at home on second, just giving away a base Um, my take on this though I think one is we've got to remember that Contreras is still pretty inexperienced in the big leagues. is still pretty young, and this is a big adjustment for him all around. And honestly, I think a step up in what's being asked of him from being essentially a DH to being a full-time catcher and being trusted and, I guess, supporting in those responsibilities just as much as his hitting. To me, my feeling in this game was that he felt like Johnson Junk needed every bit of help he could get, and he was maybe pressing just a little bit too much, um, which I get, and I don't think it's the worst thing. But I, I like these errors on both occasions. You're like he's just he's going just a little too hard because I think he really feels like we need to do everything we can, we need to get every extra bit out of it, and ultimately, he maybe hurt Junk at the Brewers on two occasions. I think with all the best of intentions. Uh, am I, why did the mark even see it like that? Am I being too forgiving? I just do think this is very different to how he's kind of looked, even instinctually, when, for example, it's Corbin Burns or it's Woody or someone like that pitching.
2: Well, I think what we're seeing are the, the growing pains of learning how to be uh, a catcher that Atlanta clearly was not trying to develop to not trying to develop him to be in terms of a guy who's going to make an impact with his pitch framing. Um, and you'll like, you'll see the growing pains with the catcher's interference. Uh, the throw to second was a weird one too. Uh, Willie Adamas just stopped going to the base as well when the runner stopped running. And so really just kind of a miscommunication uh, or a missed telekinesis or whatever that was. They weren't on the same wavelength there, but the, on the flip side, you know, he has that catcher's interference that starts the game off on a sour note. And he stole two strikeouts in that same first inning to get them out of the, mm-hmm. the inning. So it's just he's a he's a very fun player, especially now that you have the oh, the Brewers have created another pitch framing monster behind the plate, And it took them one spring and two weeks to do now. Like we said, we'll see if it keeps up. But his contact skills, his bat to ball skills, uh, especially just. If he's got two strikes or he's deep in account and he's like, all right. Like, like I think Vinny Retino will say it all the time, or Jeff Levering. I'm taking my legs out of my swing. I'm just going to go the other way and, uh, like flip a single through right field. Uh, the power will come. He hit a double in this game, so that's starting to come. He slugged, I think, uh, last season with the Braves, five oh six, and had twenty homers in just ninety seven games. Right now, hitting three sixty four with a four seventeen OBP, four twenty four slug um hasn't hit a homer yet two doubles um and uh 10 singles i believe but he's i think exactly what the brewers expected beyond that power coming into play and i think the power will come into play at a certain point uh this was just a fascinating example of like the good and bad as he's learning to become a defensive catcher that he was not asked to be and the bat's still there and uh uh will only continue to get better. Like we said, he'll be twenty-five for this entire season, his age twenty-five season. Uh but yeah, definitely a fascinating just uh case study for him as a player in this game. I think that's a good call out by you. The rest of this game, where did we leave off Adam? Uh seven three with uh Gus Farland on the mound. Um Farland would go one and a third innings pitch, three hits, two runs. They were both earned on the home run. Uh, preceding him, Hobie Miller, uh, pitched a full scoreless inning, uh, part of one inning and then, uh, two thirds of another, uh, one hit, one strikeout. Javi Guerra comes in following Varlin and, and fires a, a scoreless inning. Uh, after the seventh, that would see the Brewers get back into the game, they would go down without, uh, scoring in the eighth and the ninth. Uh, Scott McGow closing things out for the Diamondbacks to give them a seven to three victory over the Brewers. Brewers battling their first bit of adversity in the season. Brandon Wood, well, they've had other adversity, but you know what I mean. Uh, Brandon Woodruff uh, going to the IL really changing the complexion of this series when you don't have the guy who's, uh, you know, been very good to start the year closing out the series. Um, instead, you have to call up a guy to make his first career start. They were also without Jesse Winker in this series who uh, was out with an illness. I think they were keeping him away from the team um, so he could get back to to full health. And obviously if it's an illness, you don't want other guys on the team to get sick. This provided some opportunity uh, for Luke Voigt to get some playing time. Uh, game one of the series did not play very well. looks like he was fighting at the plate uh, in this game. He hit a single to left field and beat out an infield single. So Voigt, um, getting his his legs under him um, with some opportunity with with Winker being out. but overall, just a tough series against a up and coming team and the Brewers didn't have it and for that you have to move on to San Diego and then Seattle and try and like we said a a 500 road trip uh is pretty much what you want out of the the Brewers in this in this 10 game trip if you can go into San Diego and split uh the four game series go two and two there and then take two out of three against seattle who's had a tough start to their season after their playoff run last year i think you would call that a win if they can come out with that at the end of the day
1: yeah as i said at the start i mean i'm not going to be too hard on them for this um i think it also accounts it for nothing in the end but i think the rally the attempt to get back into it and the fact that I think when this Brewers team rallies from behind late in the game now, there is enough offensively there that you can believe. Like, it doesn't require a complete miracle. And I, I still find myself kind of thinking that. And then you're like, oh, look, the bases are loaded. Um, They just, they tend to get guys on base a lot easier, it feels like. Hopefully, that will continue. So, yeah, I mean, this is what it is between Woodruff and Winker couple of curveballs thrown their way that you just gotta you just gotta handle. It. You just gotta take them in your pad and move on. And we will we'll see how they go from here. Not the easiest run still. We're gonna continue into that. This is a tough series and honestly. Um what we know of the Brewers probable starters is not their A team by any means but we'll see. We'll see what they can do if they were to come out of this Padres series. I'm like this is the flip side of all of this. I think every, it quickly becomes bonus territory. Like if you were to go and win the series against the Padres, um, with this selection of starting pitchers at your disposal, what a what a win that would be for the Brewers. And how positive would we feel about where they're going then, going into the Mariner series and then getting back home? Where I think. Things will ease up and they should really have a chance to kick on. Because I mean, it's it's worth noting too, like Diamondbacks, uh, one game back in the last column, half game back overall. The Brewers they've started the season pretty well. They look good. Um, and not to not to get ahead of it super early this year. And you're an advocate for my snakes again, but I would be surprised if they are not in the thick of the wild card race at least this year. Um, as opposed to. Being quite a way back and having to make an all-time run to even get someone like me and probably only me to mention them last year.
2: Listen, uh, I was on board with with your uh fascination with them last year. I just didn't think they had enough at the end of that season. If you had to had me buy futures Diamondback stock, I would have been all over it. But you know, but that's also uh...
1: the big thing, right? When you finish a season strong like that. Like the real challenge, you see this across all sports. It's like, oh great, you put a run together and there was some brief optimism. The difficult part is starting the next season and picking up with that momentum, and they kind of have done that so far. Um, so it seems pretty encouraging for them and another team maybe for the Brewers to uh to have to worry about in the National League.
2: Yeah. So far they've uh, had a solid start to the year as San Diego and Los Angeles have just kind of been okay and not quite uh, like hitting all cylinders to start the year before moving on and looking ahead to the San Diego Padres series. uh, We'll hand out some beers. Corbin Burns obviously gets two beers, eight innings pitch, no walks, three hits, no runs, eight strikeouts Uh, was probably an inning away from being the first pitcher to receive uh, three beers in a series. Very close. Bryce Wilson, two innings pitch, no walks, one hit, three strikeouts. Like we said, Bryce Wilson's filling his role as well as you could ask. Uh he's had a three inning stint, a two inning stint, and a one inning stint, and has failed to allow a run yet. William Contreras, four for seven, a double, the pitch framing. Um, you know, despite despite the errors, he had a good series when he was in there. Garrett Mitchell, four for ten, um, continues to be a, a positive force on this team. Um, playing great defense in center field as well. Mike Brasso gets his first beer of the season. Three for seven, four RBI. Um, A guy that you would expect to continue to get more opportunities. Uh, Had a slow start to the season after a hot spring, but seems to be rounding into form uh, with that uh, big base hit that uh, started the scoring off in uh, Wednesday's game. Javi Guerra, two innings pitch, no walks, three hits, no runs. Had a tough outing against the the Cubs, I believe it was, um, in the final game of the opening series of the season. And then other than that, um, has failed to allow a run. Leaderboard through 12 games. Garrett Mitchell leads the way with five beers. Brian Anderson's got four. Bryce Terang, Willie Adamas, Peter Shrezlecki, Bryce Wilson, Wim Contreras with three. Joey Weimer, Jesse Winker, Freddie Peralta, Hobie Milner, Christian Yelich, Brandon Woodruff, Gus Farland, Devin Williams, Corbin Burns, Javi Guerra with two. Mike Barrasso, Yoel Piams, Wade Miley, all with a single beer. The Master Brewer Leaderboard update through 12 games.
1: Will we look ahead? I mean, at least with the information that we have to look ahead with to the Padres series.
2: Let's look ahead to the Padres series, Adam. Uh, tonight, April 13th, 840 Central start. To be decided on the mound against... Nick Martinez for the Padres. What do you think they go with here, Adam? A bullpen day? Do we see another player called up from Nashville? Tyson Miller was talked about as a starting pitcher pitching candidate in spring training. I think he's been working in relief in uh Nashville so far. Where 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 are your instincts taking you here?
1: I think if if they were set on this just being a regular bullpen day, Craig probably would have said that after the game last night. Um, my read on it, the fact that it's still TBD at our time of recording, is that they are probably trying to work out the logistics and see, okay, who pitched when, and if there is someone they can get up from Nashville to uh to take this start. It may well be that it's only kind of it's two to three innings, and this turns into a bullpen game. But I do think getting someone from Nashville to take 2 to 3 innings, 4 if we're really lucky, um off the bullpen would be a big help because I don't know if you want to go full bullpen game at the start of a four game series against the Padres um with seven games on this road trip remaining two. So that to me would seem like the move because look, this could go wrong and I think we've all got to be prepared for that and you just kind of write that off for what it is, but The last thing they need is for the bullpen to get absolutely decimated today and be playing catch up on that front too, heading into the three remaining games of the series and the trip to Seattle.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think this is an opportunity to give someone else a shot. I think Miller is on the 40 man. If I'm remembering that correctly. Um, So he would make sense as a guy to come up and give you two to three innings. If, if he can, because um, because now's a, a time where like you said you've got uh, a still daunting stretch of road games ahead of you he last pitched on april 11th so i guess not never mind uh <laughs> what is today's date the 13th yeah no tyson miller uh darn uh how many well, did he throw in game? exactly he threw, he threw and how, how innings many innings in that has game he been? He's been going so two innings, one inning, one inning, three innings. And the last three inning stretch was on April 11th. Today's the 13th. So if it would surprise me if he was the move now looking at the dates.
1: So yeah, he he is on the 40 man. So that's, I mean, unless they bring up, unless it's a bullpen game and we, they bring up a reliever to try and give them multiple innings. I mean, the other guys in the minors on the 40 man are Jake Cousins. Elvis Piguero, Cam Robinson, Ethan Small, Bennett Sosa, Abner Uribe. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, I know the plan was for Ethan Small to become a multi-inning reliever. Don't know how that has started or when he last pitched, but obviously he is someone who has started, not very successfully, um, major league games before, but maybe that's a route they have to go either where it is essentially a bullpen game. That's a reliever coming up, but I... They just need someone who is not part of the core bullpen, I think, to eat some innings here. This could become a a bigger crisis in a hurry if it goes wrong.
2: Well, that's something to look forward to. Uh, tomorrow, Friday, <laughs> April 14th. Maybe it
1: goes well. Maybe they bring up Eaton Small and he's fantastic this time. And we can start talking about him again. I'm just... I'm trying to I'm trying to manage the situation like the Brewers would, and the last thing you need yeah, to do yeah. is burn out your bullpen, have them get lit up by the Padres, and be like, you know what, guys, you've got three more days of that, and then we're going to Seattle, and you know you could just dream of your own beds for the next week or so while we work you all to the bone.
2: Uh, it, I think it'll turn out fine. You're right. Like it's it's April. I'm all I'm all positive vibes right now. I'm steering this ship in a positive direction. Uh, I, I, I am intrigued to see w- what they go with there. Uh, Friday, April 14th, another 840 Central start. Eric Lauer versus Michael Wacca. Um The reason we should mention there was a need for this uh, question about who's going to get the start today is Eric Lauer's start was pushed back by a day. On Saturday, a 305 Central start, nationally televised on Fox Sports 1. Freddie Peralta versus Seth Lugo. Sunday, wrapping up the four-game series, Three ten Central start, Wade Miley versus Hugh Darvish. And then the Brewers will head to Seattle for three games before an off day on Thursday, April 20th. Nice to have that off day on a holiday. Um, and then they'll return home to face the Boston Red Sox. How we feeling, Adam? Another podcast
1: in the books. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling. I'm feeling better than you. I think. Uh, no, I feel fine. It's it, look. It's the, all going to be Beatles. good. It's going to be good. Um, this is a tough stretch, and they may they may leak some oil, particularly with the injuries. I mean, we're talking about pitching. It would certainly be nice if Jesse Winker is over his illness, and we get to see him back too. Um, but yeah, look, I think they can. They can go to San Diego and take down the Dads, and we'll be on top of the world again then.
2: Oh, I'm already on top of the world because uh, I'm looking ahead to that nine-game homestand, three against the Tigers, and then we get to see what kind of tungsten arm O'Doyle thing happened to the Los Angeles Angels at the tail end of that homestand. If you're if you're in Milwaukee, if you live there, if you're visiting, go watch Shohei Otani play the Brewers because that's uh, you know, that's t- that's stuff you'll tell your grandkids about seeing Otani lose the yeah, see burn.
1: Luke Luke Voight light up Shohei Otani, That's what everyone's here to see.
2: I was, I'm imagining Mike Brasso taking him deep. That's that's what I'm thinking. That's what I want. I'm manifesting that in the world.
1: All right, Andrew. I think that does it for this episode. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode of Cruising for a Bruising Tread the Season. We record after every single series, so you'll have a convenient series recap if you want to relive the highs and lows of any given brewer series or if you haven't been able to lock in you want to know what was happening, you want to get a sense of where things are at on the brewers, we are, think of us as your brewer's thermometer, we're constantly we're taking the temperature um, taking the temperature of the room at large and yeah right now it's good it's good, listen, don't read too much into the tone in our voices when we talk about what brewers pitching might look like in the next couple of days Um, you should also check us out in repot whether you're looking for somewhere new to listen to all your podcast, Repod has a great player built into their app. Or if you just want to chat it up with all of us, share your thoughts on anything that comes up in the episodes. Go to joinrepod.com forward slash cruising for bruising. You'll land straight on our page and in our room there, you can comment on any given episode. Share your thoughts. Where do we go right? Where do we go wrong? What do you think is interesting that we should keep an eye out for? You can do all of that on Repod. You can also join the Discord, gspn.info. Go in there, you've got our Brewer's channel, there's a Book's channel, there's a Packer's channel, there's various other miscellaneous channels too. If you want to talk about Wisconsin Pro Sports with other fans of the teams and with the GSPN crew, that is certainly a place you can do that. I think that's pretty much it. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Adam.